Good morning. I just want to tell you how much I love being here and how much I love this church family. It's a real privilege to, to be with you all and to be able to share the word of God. And we're carrying on with our roots and foundations. And this morning we're going to look at calling, which sounds a bit grand, but wait and see. Last time I spoke, I spoke about identity. And we looked at who we are as sons of God. We looked at who we are as the family of God and as the bride of Christ. And we looked at how our identity is founded on what Jesus did at the cross. And how there was a shift from God's only begotten son in John 3 to Colossians 1, where we see Jesus as the firstborn of many sons, to Hebrews 2, which tells us that Jesus is not ashamed to call us brothers and sisters. And it's a great journey, a great transformation that that we have all been through. But today I want to build on that by looking at what we do in terms of our calling. We spent a lot of time learning about who we are, learning about being. You know, we've looked at some of the slowed down spirituality. And for people like me, who just love to crack on and do, it's really important to learn how to be. It's been, a, it's been a journey for me sometimes. It's been difficult sometimes just to sit quietly and just be. But at some point, we want to move from being to doing. And if you get it the wrong way around, if you just start to try and do without being, it's really hard. You might remember that Mark Lawrence said, if you, if you try and build together before you've built with Jesus. That's really hard. Sometimes there's an order in which we have to do things. And if you try to do without being, it's a bit like building a house of cards. It can look pretty impressive. Have you ever built one of those, you know, like this? And, and it can look fantastic. You can get all your cards up, but it's very insubstantial. And after a while, it's just going to fall over. And if you try and do without being... It's just insubstantial because we have to have the foundation of sonship in order to be able to to build, in order to be able to do. And the Bible talks about building with silver and gold. It talks about building things of substance, things that matter, things that last. So there comes a time when out of our being we do. But what are we called to do? I don't believe that doing is just getting on with things. As much as I love just getting on with things, I think there's more to it than that. I think doing is about knowing that God has purposed you. It's about knowing that God uses you. It's about knowing that God has a plan for you and that you are part of something bigger than just getting on with life. And the thing that really inspired me to start thinking about this was when Trevor Lloyd was doing, he he brought a word from Nehemiah about rhythms and about the beat of things. And he took us to Ecclesiastes 3. And we looked at a time, you remember that there's a well-known passage that lots of people might know at the beginning of Ecclesiastes 3, a time for everything in its time. And there's a lot of doing in that passage, planting, uprooting, weeping, laughing, tearing, mending. There's a lot of doing in that passage. But after that, I was really interested in what it says 
after we've had our time and everything in its time. So we're going to start in Ecclesiastes 3, verse 10. We're going to go 10 to 13. I'm going to read from the voice. We've only got the NIV here, but that's fine. My point will be made. So I'm going to start Ecclesiastes 3, 10 to 13. I have seen the kinds of tasks God has given each of us to do to keep one busy. And I know God has made everything beautiful for its time. God has also placed in our minds a sense of eternity. We look back on the past and ponder over the future, yet we cannot understand the doings of God. I know there is nothing better for us than to be joyful and to do good throughout our lives, to eat and drink and see the good in all of our hard work is a gift from God. And further down in verse 22, it says, so I realize there is nothing better for us than to find joy in the work we do, for work is its own reward. For who will bring us back to see what we will be after we are gone? And I was really struck by this this phrase, God has placed in our minds a sense of eternity. I think in the NIV it might say hearts. God's placed in our hearts eternity. Do we have a sense of eternity? Do we have a sense that what we're called to goes beyond ourselves, beyond our earthly lives? There's such a sense of eternal about this passage. For who will bring us back to see what we will be after we are gone? You might not see everything that you've sown bear fruit. We might not see everything we've built be fully inhabited. But there are things that will live on after we've gone. I imagine in all 60, 70 years time, and you've got some some kind of 80-year-olds, and they're sitting around and they're saying, do you remember when we used to go partying in the town? Those people, they used to give us a cup of coffee. They used to pray for us. Do you remember that was the start of our journey? Do you remember that was the first time we heard about God? Do you remember, they pr- do you remember that time they prayed for my grandma and she got better? And it's just the thought of the things that, that we're doing, things that we're, we're sowing, things that we don't even know about, that are bigger than ourselves. Because our doing, what we're called to, is not transient. It's not disposable. It's not cheap and insubstantial. You know, we're not called to be flat pack furniture builders. It can be useful. And if you've been called to be a flat pack furniture builder, I salute you because I'm really not very good at it. But actually, we've been called to be cathedral builders. We've been called to build on what people have built before. We've been called to build because what we're building, somebody will build on top of. You know, I've been to Cologne Cathedral. It's stunning. It took 700 years to build. It wasn't, it wasn't consecutive years. There were some gaps. But, you know, that's a long time. If you started at the bottom of one of those columns or you started at the foundations and you knew that it was going to be another 700 years before the doors were open, you'd have to think outside yourself, wouldn't you? You'd have to think big. But that's what we're called to be. We're called to be cathedral builders. So what is our calling? And how does it affect what we do? Because calling isn't just about what we do. 
It's about how we do it. And I want to look at three things. Our shared calling, our personal calling, and our, mm, I'm not sure I have a calling. Because it's true, isn't it? You might be thinking, oh, I know what I'm called to. Oh, yeah, I know what I'm doing. And other people are here like, do I have a calling? Really? What is it? Well, we're going to look at that. We're going to look at what it means when you just think, well, I'm not sure I have a calling. So let's start with our shared calling. Because calling is not something that's reserved for the chosen few. There's a sense in which we are all called. I'm going to look at Hebrews 3 verse 1. Didn't read the NIV for this one. Here we go. Therefore, holy brothers and sisters, look at you all, holy brothers and sisters who share in the heavenly calling, fix your thoughts on Jesus, whom we, whom we acknowledge as our apostle and high priest. There is a shared calling. We are all called. But in that, no way lessens the value because it's a heavenly calling. It doesn't lessen it by thinking, oh, well, we're all called, so there we are then. We're all here. No. It has heaven's value and it has heaven's values. We are called to be heaven-like and to represent heaven. And if you think that's a ridiculously high ideal, just go back to the word on identity. Again, about being, because everything we need has been made available. So we share in this heavenly calling. Now, I've discovered that I am a big fan of the shared experience. It took me a while, as a person that doesn't really like football, to understand why I love the World Cup. And for a few years now, I've been getting quite excited about the World Cup. And it's not to do with the football, it's to do with the shared experience. It's to do with, you know, when, when England's doing well, the nation is together, aren't they? And we're excited to see what's going to happen. And then, you know, I talk to my friends in Iran, they're not always that great at football. But, you know, they get to the World Cup and they're all excited about what's happening there. And then I talk to somebody from Spain or France and they're excited. And I know not everybody's interested in football, but it's that kind of, it's that shared experience of of people being together. And for me, that joint sharing is important, that we are called together. Our calling as a people, as a church, our unique place in the town as a family together. And also that sense that if one is called, then all are called. Do you remember when Jen and Phil and Abby went to the Philippines? Didn't you feel like we were going as a family? Because I did. And I think they probably felt like they were going with us right behind them. I felt really invested. You know, I, I wasn't called to the Philippines. Three were called and all were called. And, and I love that. I love that when that happens, when we get behind one another. Um, Because we are called together. Let's look at Ephesians 4, verses 1 to 6. I urge you, I'm just starting a bit later. I urge you to live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Make every effort to keep the unity of the spirit through the bond of peace. There is one body and one spirit, just as you were called to one hope 
when you were called. One Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is over all and through all and in all. It's quite comprehensive, isn't it? (laughs) You know, in my Bible, this passage is entitled Unity and Maturity in the Body of Christ. And we have been called together. Not just to rub along and see what happens. We haven't joined a club. We've been joined and called together. Now in the autumn, we're going to start thinking about membership. But we won't be looking at who's in the club and who's not in the club. We'll be looking at who feels called. Who's been called together? Who wants to build together? Who wants to live a life together worthy of the calling we've received? That's what we're about. That's who we are. So that's our shared calling. What about personal calling? Now, there are some people that have a real sense of a personal calling. And there are some people that we know and we can look about. And and we just know that they've been called. I think of Joan Ayler, who founded and directs Talk Through. And all the work that she does in counselling. I think of Suze with the Aspire groups. She's leading groups that are just valuing and honouring older people. I think of Yvette with CAP, the debt collection, the debt, the, it's not, not a collection, the, the, the debt, <laughs> yeah, that's not good. The debt advisory um, service, you know, that, that is just freeing people from debt. And I look at the things that Yvette has to do. You know, sometimes she comes in, and I, in here and I can see it's been really hard. And all of these people, if they were just earning money, if this was just a job, sometimes it's just too difficult for that. But they are called. You can see that their being and their doing are wrapped in together. That actually, that, that this is not just about what they do. It's part of who they are as well. And you can see that, that some people have really been called. They have that passion about them. And I think of people that are called to do practical things. I look at Gina and John that are managing the houses at Willow Lane. I think of Phil and Barry who just are able to make things happen. Chris who just seems to be able to make so many things happen. So many practical things. And these people are just called to that, aren't they? You know, I, I, I make the call. I'm not called. I'm like, can you come and put up this, this shower curtain for me? Um, I'm, ju- I'm just not good. I'm, I'm not called to that. Um, but there are people that just love to be practical, don't they? And uh, people like John Batty who just loves to serve people. And so many of you here, you know what your callings are. You, you, you don't have to make an effort about it. It's who you are and it's what you do. And for some people, you know, they, they really are called to things. And calling's not limited to faith-based activities. People might be called to the arts, to medicine, education, politics... There are all sorts of things that we're called to. William Wilberforce was a British politician and a leader of the movement to abolish the slave trade. And a few years into his political career, he became a Christian. And at that time, evangelical Christians in public life were, were, were just frowned upon. It was, it was socially unacceptable to be a Christian in public. Um, You could be a Christian in church, you could be a Christian behind closed doors, but you couldn't be a Christian in political or public life. 
Um, and so this really uh, put him into a quandary about what he should do about his political career. And so he, he sought the counsel of other people. And he just sought God to see what God would say. He sought the counsel of John Newton, who wrote the song Amazing Grace, um, who was also part of the abolition of slavery movement. And, um, and in, in his biography, it says about um, Wilberforce, after seeking the counsel of others, he resolved to remain in politics and pursue it with increased diligence and conscientiousness. And here is someone who's thought about what they should be doing, questioned it even, but he felt called to continue. He felt called to, to carry on. And we see how his, um, I don't know a lot about William Wilberforce, but obviously, you know, how his life panned out and how he was able to be part of that movement to abolish slavery um, was definitely, his life in politics was a, was a key to that. Um, and he was called to do that. Having said that, that there's people called to all sorts of things outside the church, there's also people that are called in particular to help equip the church. Let's look at that passage in, in Ephesians 4. Ephesians 4, 11 to 13. So Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God, and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. There's that theme again about us together becoming mature, about growing up together. And in our efforts to ensure that everyone is included and everyone has a part to play, which we all do, I wouldn't want us to lose the sense that there are specific parts to be played. Yes, we equip and build each other up. We build one another up. But Christ himself has given specific gifts. Specific people who are gifted and called. And we don't all have to try to do everything. And we don't have to fill in all the gaps. Because there are people that are called specifically to help us and equip us. And I love that. I love that while I'm doing what I'm doing, there is somebody enabling me. There is somebody who is equipping me. There is somebody showing me maybe the gifts that I don't have, pointing me to other things. And so it's, it's really important that we understand and honour that there are, are people that have specific gifts that are for us as a church. So that's our personal calling. And then we come to, hmm, I'm not sure I have a calling. So you may be thinking... Well, I'm here, I do a job, I run a household, or I don't have a job. It's just what I do, but it doesn't feel like a calling. But as we've already said, firstly, we are all called. Let's look at 2 Peter 1 verse 3. In my Bible, this is entitled, Confirming One's Calling and Election. And I love this verse. If I feel inadequate, this is one of the verses that I go to. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Well, there's a whole message right there, isn't there? What a wonderful verse. What a wonderful verse to just be able to go back to and ponder on, especially if things haven't gone well. But we are called 
and we are called to him. We're called into him. And that calling takes us beyond ourselves into something greater. And knowing that means our lives and ourselves count for something. We count for something. I don't want us to get above our station. We always have to take a sober account. But we, we count for something. And as I said before, our calling is not always about what we do. But it's about the way that we do it. Let's go back to Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes 3 verse 22. So I realize that there is nothing better for us than to find joy in the work we do. For work is its own reward. So whatever it is that we are doing, paid work, voluntary work, housework, homework, retirement, or maybe you're really limited in what you can do. Let's try and find some joy in it. Because that's what God wants us to do. Let's work from a place of rest, if that makes sense. Because we are made to do. God made us to do. He didn't just make us to be passive. Right from the beginning, God made us to to do something, to achieve something, to be something. He, He called us right from the beginning. You know, Jesus calls the disciples. They don't just rock up. They don't just happen to be there. They're called. And they're called to do. I think of Ray and Valerie's testimony. I think it was last week. Wonderful testimony. And Valerie was there and she, and she was standing up with her walker, wasn't she? And there was a time when Valerie became really limited as to what she could do. But what she set herself to do was her exercises. And she set herself to think about what she was eating and to protect herself by what she was eating because, of, because the chemo was um, taking her um, resistance very, very low. So she decided that she would change her diet and she faithfully did her exercises. She'd lost almost the use in one leg completely. But she set herself a goal of doing her exercises now, I'm not saying that that was her calling necessary, necessarily, but what I am saying is, even if you're limited, there are things that you can do. There are things that we can have a sense of doing. We can have a sense of purpose. We don't need to just be the victims, because God has called us to do something, and he's called us to find joy in it. And I believe he wants us to find joy and purpose in whatever it is. And if we can't find that joy, maybe we need to stop. Maybe we need to think about doing something else. Not finding joy in something or running out of grace for something can be a good enough reason to stop, take stock and reset. However, waiting for permission or finding fault in order to justify a change, is not helpful. We need to take responsibility for ourselves and we need to listen to the Holy Spirit. Now I hope this particular part of the message does not come back to haunt me. I don't want to find next week that everyone's run out of grace for stewarding, making the coffee, putting out the chairs, looking after the children and you've all decided to move on to something else. 
because that could cause a lot of trouble. However, I do believe in serving. I believe in taking up our cross. I believe in sacrifice. So there's always a balance, isn't there, to hold intention between am I in the right place and do I need to make a sacrifice? And only the wisdom of the Holy Spirit can tell you that and only you can find that out for yourself. So if you're not sure if you have a calling, look for the joy, look for the purpose in whatever it is that you're doing. So here's the challenge. Do you know that you've been called? We're all called, but knowing can change your perspective. Are you happy with what you're doing? Is what you are doing now what you think you are called to? Are there any adjustments you need to make in order to do what you are called to do? And again, there's a balance and a wisdom to be had here. For some of us, we know we've been called to something, but the time is not now. Brendan and I have both had times in our lives where God has called us to something and he showed us separate times and he showed us really clearly that he's called us to something and what it is he's called us to. And it has come with a mandate of do nothing. It's come with a mandate of, I've told you what it is I've called you to. Now wait and see what I will do. Because sometimes there's a time for pressing forward and sometimes there's a time when only God can do it. When it's not your job to to push forward, to, to try and make something happen. If God has told you something, if God has called you to something, sometimes you just need to rest in that and see what will happen. Now for others of us, God is calling you to something and you need to start planning. And your first question is, what does the Holy Spirit say about this? I can think of two other occasions when we thought God might be calling us to somewhere else geographically. And at one point we even started to look in the estate agents. Um, But very interestingly, the Holy Spirit made it very clear that he had called us here that he called us to Huddersfield. Now, we had already been here for quite a long time. And it was almost like God recalled us. And it was such a positive experience. It was just such a, a gift, knowing that God was confirming where we should be. And so if you're wondering about, are you in the right place? What should you be doing? Then just seek God, because he will... He will show you. He will confirm it to you. Do you need to get clearer on what you are called to? And again, your first question is always, what does the Holy Spirit say about this? It's taken me about 43 years of being a Christian. And this year, 2019, the question, what does the Holy Spirit say about this, has become the one that I've begun to ask And it's taken me a long time, but then you know that I'm a doer. So I can just set off. But God has shown me, hang on a minute, what does the Holy Spirit say about this? And I've had some amazing answers, often just instant answers. Maybe a picture, maybe a word. Recently God showed me a picture of a path, and I didn't know what that meant. And then God shared something else, and I'm like, okay, Holy Spirit, I I know what you're saying now. There was another time when the Holy Spirit just said to me, don't do anything. Trust 
and obey. But it was coming back to, Holy Spirit, what do you say about this? So if you need to get clear on something, if you need to get clear on what you're called to, that's the question you need to be asking. So to sum up, God has placed a sense of eternity in our hearts and our minds. What we do is so much bigger than ourselves. However small you might perceive it, you're part of eternity. You are a cathedral builder. Are you aware of that sense of the eternal? And what are you doing about it? I'm just going to pray. I know there's a lot to think about there. So I just want us to have a few minutes to just ponder and to commit this time to God. Father, I thank you that you have placed eternity in our hearts, Lord. Whether we perceive it or not, you have done that. And Father, I pray for each one of us, Lord, that we will have that sense of building on things that have gone before and building for things that are to come. Father, thank you that you have made us cathedral builders. Father, thank you that you have called us to something and you've called us to do something. Thank you that our lives mean something. That what you did on the cross, Jesus, meant that we are able to be called. That we are able to be and we are able to do. And Father, I pray for all of us here today, whether we need to make some adjustments or whether we just need to rest and, and do out of our being. Whatever stage each of us is at, Father, I pray that that sense of eternity will be in our hearts and it will be the place from which we move, Lord, knowing that you and all that you've done for us means that there is so much more than just us. There's so much more than just what we do. But who we are and what we do is so much bigger than just the here and now. Father, thank you. Thank you that you've given us everything we need for life and godliness. You've given us everything we need to build. You've given us everything we need in our calling. Thank you that you've called us together to build together, to build one another. And Father, as you go forth from this day, Lord, that we would have that real sense of togetherness, of building, of things that are bigger than us, Lord, and that you will just continue to speak to us regarding this, Father. In the name of Jesus, amen.